Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Hello. Hello. Hello, mate. How you doing? All right. Hello, 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 hello. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks for coming on. It's my privilege, my honour to come on. (laughs) (laughs) But it's my honour to be on. (laughs) (laughs) I've got major beef with you, so, you know. You've got major beef with me? Yeah, total. Go on, tell me why. I'm just going to read out a list of names. You've had on before me, which is, uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just got the phone to Martin T. Smoothie. I said, Smoothie, this dude, right? Do you know what? It's a, a, the last in the third series that I'm scraped on. I'm just no, like... It's the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot, dude. <laughs> Disrespect. Oh. I'm like the highest of your career, mate. I'm proud of you. And that's what I get. Do you know what? Gen- I'm not just saying this. Genuinely, um, I just didn't think you'd want to come on. Oh, don't be stupid. I mean, you're a broadcasting legend, mate. We can't be fucking... Oh, let's not oh, fuck clearly about. not enough of a legend to be on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're missing this. You should be recording this. You know that. It is, reco- <laughs> it is recording because I knew you were going to come in hard. But no, no, no. I'm more than pleased to be doing it, mate. Seriously, more than pleased. Well, look. Um, let's get uh, let's get straight on with. It. No, we've already recorded. I mean, yeah. This is we've already started. Worked, we've already started. <laughs> have you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah we started, started already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we get, we're going to have to keep that. We're going to have to keep that in. That fucking you coming in with this lockout, just <laughs> the smackdown straight off the bat. But listen, thank beast, you, man. thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's a pleasure. Love to be scraped in at the end. No, you're not scraped in at the end. You're not. You're. you're <laughs> It's called going out on a high, Ramesh, isn't it? Yeah, we're like, yeah. So yeah, the just so people is, know, this is the, the last episode of Series 3. It's the last episode ever. No, it's not the last episode <laughs> of Series 3. <laughs> we thought we'd end the series with Trevor Nelson. Look, Trevor, look, let me just, I'm just, I'm just going to do the intro to you, yeah? Mm. Right, so we wanted to finish Series 3 with the best ever guest that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> we wanted to go all out. We wanted to smack <laughs> this shit left, right and centre. And <laughs> uh, we yeah. have... Uh, Oh my God, have we knocked it out the fucking park for you today? We have got the the legend himself, Trevor Nelson. Oh, Jesus. Romesh, thank you. What what an incredibly. um, Did you have your fingers and your toenails crossed when you said that? Because, I mean, I feel like, do you know, I feel like the last episode of Lost. If you ever watched it, <laughs> yeah, nothing quite <laughs> makes sense anymore. Did you make it to the last episode? Of I did. I didn't make I did. it. To the last I did. Episode. Yeah, yeah. But well, I've made it to Romish's podcast, which is something. So yeah. you know, 
Hey. Can I ju- can I just add it has taken us yeah. about five years to get you on the show through various management, yeah, mismanagement and stuff. But it's nice to talk to both of you actually. Yeah, I don't say that. You don't give a shit about talking to Rupert. Come on, man. I do. I do. I chatted to him before. He was great. There you go. Okay. He's a very measured person. Very measured. He is very measured. He is incredibly measured. Yeah. You got like a seesaw, like a seesaw. <laughs> He's your balance. Clearly. Um, how is uh, how is life treating you? I imagine you're sitting there. I don't want to go on. I'm not going to go on about it because obviously it's a hip hop podcast. But I imagine you're sitting mm. there cursing VAR at the moment. Do you know what I mean? That's sort, oh. of, that sort of. Two, two, well, two things I'm cursing. I'm cursing the cup final, obviously, as a massive Chelsea yeah. fan. And I'm cursing that bloody Liverpool goalkeeper. What, 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 what was Alisson doing? What was it? You're supposed to be in goal, mate. Not, not run up to head the ball in. It's incredible, isn't it? It's what I do against my six-year-old when I'm playing him at FIFA. It was uh, some next-level business. Hurtful. So, um, how is uh, how is life treating you? Life out of lockdown is not bad. I've got to tell you, I'm one of those few people who, despite all the negative stuff that happened, I embraced it, mate. And I, in the sense that I had to stop for a little while. I've been nonstop for 30-odd years. And sometimes you just need to be forced to stop, you know, get off that train and say, actually, I, I quite like not doing as much as I used to do. And, you know, yeah. and, it, and it recalibrated my brain and my mind and my thought process and things became a bit more... Do you know what I mean? Because I think I think in this game, insecurity motivates a hell of a lot of people. Oh my god, yeah. mate! It's it's <laughs> it's like my driver, insecure and imposter syndrome just come together. Go. Oh, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the first part of my career was driven by insecurity, and then you get into a comfort zone, and then it's just managing stuff, and then you get to a place where, well, am I going to? Am I relevant anymore? And, and then you then you're really comfortable with yourself because you know your place mm. in society, you know what I mean, and you know where you're slot in. But um, I think you're in you're in a place that's um, mad at the moment. <laughs> so you're driven by your diary clearly, and it's <laughs> a weird way of living, isn't it? Well, I think I think that the, the thing that that's probably similar for for us all, you know, talking here is that when you start out, you know, like same thing when you started DJing. When I started doing stand up. It's like you basically spend your whole time going, yeah, I'll do that gig. I'll do that mm. gig. Yeah, I'll go do that. I'll go do that. Yeah, of course I'll do that. I can do that. And you do that where like you're turning up and you're just hustling and you're hustling and hustling. And you're taking up any gig to try and build up your your rep or whatever, or build up your mm. profile, get yourself to a, a point. I mean, it's very difficult to lose that mentality because I'm constantly followed by this fear that I'm going to get found out. Do you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. And so getting into that thing of feeling comfortable, that whole thing is is difficult. But like, you know, you're in a you're in the situation where basically, and I know, I know that I'm talking to you and you're inside it, so I don't know what your perception is, but to, to us, looking at you, your position is unimpeachable now. Do you know what I mean? You you've got this status now in music and broadcasting that is immovable, you know. So and are you aware of that? Do you do you feel that or um is this a serious part of the podcast? Yeah, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is, the, this is the bit where I'll, I'll be honest serious with you, Trevor. Bit. I said, to, I said to Rupert, I just want to make him cry. Yeah. If I can, that would be awesome. yeah, I said, I, I said, I bet you won't be able to do it within ten minutes. Let's yeah, see no, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But no, I, 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 I tell you, I'll be honest with you, Ramesh. I've got total clarity right. about this game, and um, 
I agree with you in that respect. I have to say, I do agree with you. But I, my timing in my whole career was just perfect in the sense that before we had all the opinion makers and the influencers and the, the you know, the new, the whole generation we're, we're living through, it was like, hey, we need a, we need an R and B show, we need a hip hop show, we need a this, we need a that. And if you're the lucky person to be custodian of whatever that is, then it's what you do with it when you get your opportunity. You know, like. I knew when I was doing MTV, I knew exactly who was looking at it. I knew exactly who'd be into it. I knew exactly what to do, even though I'd never done telly in my life. And there was no competition, really. It wasn't like, oh, that's great. That, it, all, it was all America. Everything was in mm. the States. So if we actually had our own little thing, I knew I'd have a captive audience. And then you get on national radio and it's like, you listen to the guy on before you, you're like, wow, he's way off the mark, isn't he? And you know it. You know it. You know yeah. how far off the mark they are. And you go on and you go, this is going to be easy. And then it's like, because you're passionate. Whereas what you do is so competitive. There's so many people who want to make you laugh out there that I don't see it as, I don't even see it as close in terms of what I did and what I had the opportunity to do. It was just about getting opportunity for me, not about when I got it was I doing this I, w I wasn't doing this I was just scared that some people who didn't get our music and our love of music would make the mistake of telling asking somebody else to do something that I should be doing yeah that's how I saw it do you know what I mean everybody had their lane yeah. you know hip-hop was Westwood let's say mm. you know he had the bigger show yeah. um, I was R&B slash hip-hop but R&B mainly um, Pete Tong's house you know you've got you've got your people you go boom boom and if you don't go to them everyone goes why don't you go to him <laughs> you know the public say why don't you go to him mm, <laughs> you know yeah. aren't you with it man don't you understand mate you know that that person does that that person does that and it was tribal so it was quite it was quite easy um the yeah. only thing to manage since then has been having a career in broadcasting and staying staying with it and for me radio is my first love always has been um I leave the TV stuff up to you guys uh, <laughs> because you get recognised everywhere you go. Everyone's got an opinion on you, yeah. And I don't want that to be honest in my life anymore. So I'm I'm really lucky. I'm blessed. I'm so lucky that my hobby has just given me a living. It's an amazing feeling, mate. I'm very very satisfied. I'm very happy. That's why I'm doing your podcast, mate. Because I tell you what, Jay Z Nas got nothing on what me and you could have. <laughs> I'll tell you that now we're going that. back Karis one we're going back Karis one juice crew here you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hurt mate I'm still mate. hurt being the last episode of Lost I'm so <laughs> when I heard when I heard the name of your podcast I said what a name for a podcast I was like that is such a great name hip hop saved my life when am I going to get a call? Yeah, but you know what? The trick, we, but you can't just you can't just start that podcast and then call Trevor Nelson. No, That's not how it works. Work, you got to get to a certain. Do you know what I mean? We were like, yeah. you got to get to a certain point before you, you make that call. Do you know what I mean? We had to go through like a whole load of nobodies. Listen to series one, mate. We had to like we had to. <laughs> there's a few people sort of in there who've not even heard any hip hop, have they? Yeah, there's like you know yeah, a couple of people on there. Like, they've only got like one copy of Snoop's first album, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, we, had you, to fucking, we had to work through all of that. I mean, we'll talk about your 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 love of hip hop uh, mm. very very shortly, obviously. But your compilations, the Trevor Nelson collection, mm. I mean, that's iconic, right? That <laughs> I mean, it's it's a banger. I mean, 
<laughs> that album. I mean, I don't. I don't think I knew anybody that didn't have that album. Yeah, that was well massive, wasn't it? Do you know what's really bizarre about that? Honestly, is I was minding my own business. I was. I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I haven't really said this to anybody. I was a bit lost, mate, at that particular time. I was. I'd left Radio One. I was doing one extra. I was at a stage in my career where I didn't want to DJ to 18-year-olds in a club. I didn't want to do any nightclubs anymore. I just didn't want to be in a nightclub seeing people snogging and, and touching each other up and that kind of stuff and vomiting. Yeah. I just didn't want that anymore or not understanding what the DJ is supposed to be doing. And you could feel the DJ slowly was becoming slightly irrelevant. Mm. It was about the night. Right. And for the first time in my life, I felt people weren't there for the music. And I was getting gigs. And I was like, I don't want to do gigs anymore. What am I going to do? I'm too, do you know what I mean? I, I, do Radio 2 want me? I don't know. Yeah. And then some guy casually said, will you voice over this compilation I'm doing? I'm saying, people still buy them. Yeah, people weren't <laughs> buying compilations. Yeah. You know, now is the only compilation on the planet Earth that still sells, yeah, yeah. right? So I said, no one's going to be interested in a compilation. I said, anyway, when I DJ, I play 80s, 90s, noughties. I play four or five decades. I can't do just one type of music anymore, one, one era. And I said, if you could do an album like that, I'd be interested. He shipped it, shopped it around badly because a couple of labels said, nah. And then luckily, he went to a label, Sony, where a guy who ran the compilation was a nerd proper nerdy R&B fan, right? Used to buy records or tape my show, all that yeah, stuff. He went, I'll do it. So we went up there and um, I just thought, well, maybe at least if I put this album out, when people come to my gigs, they'll know what I'm about. That was the idea. They'll know what I want to play. This is yeah. how I want to go. I want to go from Jocelyn Brown to Usher. That's what I want, right? I want to go from, from you know, Shaka Khan to Ja Rule, all in the same night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... Put it out, number one for six weeks, mate. 350,000 sold, one million streams. I was just, I couldn't believe it. It's the first yeah. time I felt legitimate because I felt people, my life's work meant something, you know, and it was it was an amazing feeling, mate. I've got to tell you. I can imagine, man. And also, and also just, it sort of cemented your position as the authority figure. Do you know what I mean, in terms of that? So, so yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. My chest grew about a quarter of an inch. <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite yeah. pigeon chested, but I felt like relevant again. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. All these blue rinse ladies coming up to me, going, "Oh, I love your compilation, love, I love it." <laughs> love it. <laughs> Even at Chelsea, I'm in the shed then, sitting there with my season ticket, and I've been going Chelsea for twenty years. A couple of blokes come up to me, bald heads, you know, like yeah, sort of used to wear Doctor Martins, you'd think, and they'd be like. Love the sounds of blackness on your album, mate. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Rom, I'm surprised he hasn't been approached for a, what, to do a, a compilation, like a hip hop compilation. I can well, see you know, if if you say, like, if you CD only, I, I think compilations. Are, I mean, that's that's that bring definitely it back. Is. That's, <laughs> that that would be just my luck to get approached to do a fucking CD compilation now. <laughs> Like, I think it would work though. It'd be quite yeah, retro, yeah. especially. Yeah, incredibly retro, on. yeah. Nobody would have anything to play it on. That's true. <laughs> ha! Ha! 
So Trevor, yeah, mate. What's your sort of uh, route into? Because I know, I know you're a massive hip hop head. Mm. Um, what was your kind of route into to getting into hip hop? What was it? What did you start listening to when you first? Got um, into it? I'm old enough to remember Sugar Hill Gang coming out. Mm. Rappers Delight. I was a teen. Yeah, I just turned teen. Just turned teenager, and I was, you know, just playing. It was 15 minutes long. I learned every word by touching the needle back for about five days. Yeah. And literally reciting it every single, I mean, every word. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and going to school and going with a hip, huh? The hip, the hip, the hip, you know, and everyone being bored with me. And then I thought that was a novelty record. And then Grandmaster Flash came out with a message. And I think that that was a game changer for me because mm. they had a video, they, it was political, it was, they looked weird, mm-hmm. but it was hard hitting, the, you know, the lyrics. Broken glass everywhere, people pissing on the stage, you know they just don't care. I can't take the smell, can't take the noise, got no money to move out, I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far, cause a man with the tow truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Standing on the front Those two songs were basically hip-hop in a nutshell mm. for the rest of my life. Yeah. You got partying bullshit, rappers to lie. Yeah. And you got the political stuff. Yeah. And you know, that is basically hip hop in a yeah. nutshell, isn't it? Mm, you still yeah. got guys doing partying bullshit and you still got guys politicizing. So <laughs> That's what got me into it. Yeah. I would say Def Jam as a label, because of it, they were the first label as a brand, really. The Def Jam jacket was a very essential piece of yeah. kit. The Def Jam car sticker. You know, I was thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me. I was going back to the well, I can jump onto the first album. LL Cool J, I think, was the one. Rock the Bells as a tune. Mm. LL Cool J was a beast at 15, mate. That yeah, beast. Man, And I, and I think the early days of hip hop were just so exciting. You were just born, mate, probably. Yeah. But they were so exciting because you didn't know what was going to come next. You yeah. just had no idea what was coming next. Um, like all music in the 80s. And it was it was a fantastic time to be alive, mate. It really was. What was people's... Because obviously now hip hop is so massive and it's like, you know, ex- accepted mm. as a mainstream form of music, the biggest selling form of music, etc., etc. But back then... I remember even growing up and I was listening and everybody said this ain't music, this ain't music, this is just people shouting. What was it like? Yeah. What was it like when those tunes weren't big? Was it that was that the attitude? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you remember electro funk? Yes. Mm, well, yeah. you know, in amongst all of that was um, Africa Bambata and Planet Rock, which to this day is still a better instrumental than it is a vocal. Yes. <laughs> like, like, like I was mad into electro music. I was crazily, you know, I bought all the electro stuff, um, Warp 9, all these groups that you're never going to hear of. Um, I like Go Go Electro, and they were all little hybrids of, of hip hop. Now, electro was, when you think about it, terrible yeah. musically. But 
if you like body popping, mm. or you like watching body popping, or you like watching break dancing, you're gonna gobble it all up. Yeah, mate. yeah. It's yeah. like gobble it up. And my mum's like, "What is that noise?" And everybody, my, my my sister, everybody was that is just terrible. It's rubbish, right? Hip hop because of electro felt like rap as we know it was better than electro because it wasn't so. You know, it was James Brown samples, so it mm. sounded more organic. But it was seen as something that was going to last two, three years and go away. It was seen as a novelty. There's, no one took it seriously. Mm. In this country, every time you went to a rave, you kind of knew every single person in the rave. It was like that niche. Mm. Yeah. You know, people that became rappers were ravers then. Right. You know, it, was, it, it was like the grime culture you see yeah, now. Yeah. Like, very small amount of people. Same people you go, you go to a little gig, same sort of people, a little scary at times, oh. and everyone trying to rap like a Yankee. Yeah, everyone, you know, unfortunately, one minute guy's going, You're right, mate, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> it's just like, I can't take you seriously, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was a bit confusing. Was there artists back then, like British artists, that were breaking through, yeah. or was it still too early? Or, no, there were lots of British mm. artists. Um, there was Trouble, there was Caveman. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was obviously Mo- Moni Love was amazing. She was mm. just the most amazing rapper. Do you know what? Moni Love was probably the most amazing female rapper I have ever seen. Really? I'll tell you why, because her flow was unreal. It was, she was from Battersea, I think. And we go to a couple of gigs and this girl would get on the mic and you'd be just like, you'd be like what? She? she was like mm-hmm. an alien. Mm. Yeah, she yeah. was so good. Brother, what is with you? You can't take a hint. Surprise! She ended up going to the states and, and hanging out with Queen Latifah and, and De La Soul. And I mean, come on, she—that's royalty she was rolling with. So they accepted it. What's so funny about that is, like, you know, for years and years and years, as you know, UK hip hop was struggling to find a niche and trying to find like a, a foothold or whatever. But right at the beginning, UK hip hop, like Moni Love, they were smashing it, right? Mm. Do you mean like they're, absolutely? They're, there absolutely. were so many big crossover tunes, right? And then, and then, yeah. it's sort of weirdly later on. UK hip hop started to struggle. Do you know what I mean to find its own kind of yeah. its own kind of foothold? Because back then they all rapped in an American accent. Yeah. So they got Derek B got a deal, mm. and he wasn't even a rapper. You know, he was a <laughs> DJ. You know what I mean? But he had a good. He used to rap like a. You know, rest in peace, Derek. Yeah. He was a he was a proper star that guy, but he was. Um, I rated him more as a DJ than a rapper, but he right. made it onto the Live Age stage. Come yeah, on, yeah, did he? Yeah. Wow. Did Live Aid? Wow. He did Live Aid. Today, Queen did Live Aid. Come on. What is that about? I was standing there going, there's no boy. <laughs> I sold him a record last week. <laughs> it was, mate, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. But that's, we were confused. We didn't know what to do, you know. And then the London Posse came out and started rapping in a sort of English yardy accent, which really, and Demon Boys, there was, you know, Simon Harris had a label mm. and he had all these artists on there. And, but you still didn't feel MC Duke. You didn't feel we were going to cross over. We were yeah. going to stay around. You felt it was very novel. Well, I remember, I remember, I don't know if you had this experience, but I remember like all of my, a load of my mates were into hip hop. But if you put on 
like London Posse or something like that, or I'm used to listen to Gunshot. You put that on, and my mates, even mates of mine that were into hip hop, they go, I can't listen to this. Like you know, they they their heads hadn't got tuned in to like a UK, a, a UK accent being on a on a hip hop record. It took a while for people to to sort of get tuned into that. Now that sounds crazy, the idea that somebody would find it unusual to hear a British accent on a on a record. But then I remember like people going, I don't know if I can get used to this, man. It's like, it was, it was mad. No, it's true. We were, we were conditioned. But I also worked in record shops and we had this real anti-UK bias to music full stop, right? right? Oh. I mean, everything, it didn't matter what it was. It could be yeah. house, hip hop or anything. So what, what we used to do, because, you know, like imported records were shrink wrapped mm. that made them cost five pound each, yeah, 12 yeah. inch back in the late 80s. Can you believe <laughs> it? Guys would come in and go, yeah, what you got? What you got? And I'd be like, I'd only seen the film High Fidelity. I was just yeah. like that, man. I'd be like, what you want? And they'd be like, I want the latest, I want the latest beats, bro. I want the latest beats. And I'd pull out a tune and I'd just know exactly the 10 seconds to put on. And I put 10 seconds on. And it'd be a sick break, and everyone be nodding at the counter like this. <laughs> <laughs> They'll go, "How many you got? What's that, mate?" I go, "Oh, I just come in, mate. Just come in. I've got about a thousand back there, right?" And I'll go, "I've <laughs> only got one. five. I've only got five. Only got five. Yeah, yeah? where's it from? I, uh, I don't know. White label, Chicago. And we'd have got them shrink wrapped deliberately. Wow. We know they're from Halston, mm. but we shrink wrap them, and just the psyche. They'd be, oh, I want that. Yeah. I want that. I want that." If you said mm. it was from Brixton or Harleston, they're like, oh, no, no, you've got anything else, mate. It was bullshit. It was just yeah. brainwashed. We were brainwashed. We were brainwashed yeah. into believing everything American is better than everything British. Yeah. I was going to say, those, those British artists you were mentioning back then, do they, do they have, like, global ambitions or were they sort of happy to keep it localised or were they, well, like, looking at America going, I want to... <laughs> I don't think they were looking at America. Yeah. I, went, I went on a tour with the London Posse. Mm. We went to Amsterdam for a couple of days. Yeah. And um, I thought the London Posse were, were pretty much, you know, DJ business, great DJ, Bionic, Sipo. They were great. They were great yeah. together. Yeah. And, and Rodney. And um, you had a human beatbox. You had everything. You had a great DJ. You had a couple of rappers. And I remember we went and did a gig in Amsterdam. And I think that was about the, the extent of it all, really. London to Amsterdam. That was it. And that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's the think. Pinnacle. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think America was an option. Mm. I think if you think of Derek B, you, you know the fact. I think Profile signed him, and they're an American label. But do you can you imagine being Derek B the day he landed in the states to do a gig? Mm. Yeah. How scary that must be. You're you're actually you're like Idris Elba in The Wire. You know, going to trying to get <laughs> trying to get that string of bell, trying to be string of bell, auditioning for string of bell, and having to go, yo, you know, he got there, but he must have shit his pants before he, <laughs> he opened his mouth. You know, I mean, it, it's impossible back then mm. to to imagine anyone, yeah, cracking the states back then. The fact Moni had half, you know, a bit of success was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you go on to listen to from there, from that, from those beginnings? Like, were were you were you because you talked about, you know. Uh, party and bullshit and the, and the politics stuff. Yeah. Were you listening to everything or was there certain like niches everything. in hip hop? You Everything, yeah. Everything. I bought everything, mate. I, I was you? lucky enough to, yeah, I was lucky enough to import records for a living to the record shops. That's my first job in the music business as an importer. So yeah. I went, to, I imported them and I got on the phone and collected them from the airport, sold them to a shop. So I didn't miss a thing. Mm. I, yeah. the, only, the only crew I didn't rate was the two live crew. 
from Miami. Right, why is that? Shit. This is a novelty, it was wasn't shit. it? It was like... They were shit. Luke. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> yeah. it was shit. It was shit. <laughs> it was shit, but everybody got so excited about... Yeah, you know, like all of my mates, all, all mm. of your mates at school singing "Face Down, Ass Up," and all that. So, so, it's, it's just me, so horny, yeah. me, so horny. It, it was shit. Yeah, it was, so it was toilet. It was toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm not having yeah. it. I like East Coast so much, man. I was Big Daddy Kane. Oh, Big Daddy Kane was, you know, Big Daddy Kane was 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 a god. KRS-One was a god. Chuck D was Farrakhan. Yeah. You know, it was... When I, did, when I heard Public Enemy, I, I mean, they blew my mind. They properly blew my mind. And it was... And the funny thing about Public Enemy, I'd say to you guys, is this. You can't play a Public Enemy tune today and get people dancing unless you're in a really mm. cool club. Mm-hmm. You clear the floor. Yeah. But yeah. back then, Public Enemy, people ran on the floor. Mm. To hear that noise and that energy. It was brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. The moment they heard that. <laughs> yes. The rhythm, the rebel. Without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard drama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy telling you to hear it. They praise the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show. Bum rush the sound. I made a year ago. I guess you know. DJ, whoever got to play it standing there going, yeah, yeah, wheel it up, man, let's go again. I played that at Sound Republic in 2000. Yeah. I remember, played it in Sound Republic, by which time the Asian Massive had discovered R&B and hip-hop right, and were right, in right. full effect, dominated mm. that club, right? Yeah. Put 112, only you on Bad Boy, the yeah. floor ran. I thought, let me just drop, let me see if it's still got the juice. Let me drop <laughs> yeah. Public Enemy. It was like a bomb scare, guys. It was like a bomb scare. The the place was packed, Mm, and yet it was like someone pulled a knife or something because it just like it's just empty. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) "This is public enemy, guys." Yeah, yeah. I realised everything had changed. But do you you, what changed in just a decade? But do you think that was because like? What you're talking about, and in those days at Sound Republic and, and all that, was hip-hop and R&B mm. had, you know, there was a long period when they were just, you know, not interchangeable, but they just were overlapping and crossing over so much. Yeah. And so you could have people that, that you, you know, you'd go to hip-hop and R&B night, but the truth of it is, we know that if you played actual hip-hop at one of those nights, people would just go, <laughs> what the fucking hell are you doing? <laughs> like, you're killing this. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was like it was like hip hop and R and B in name yeah. only. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I'm here, mate. That's why I wanted to chat to you guys because this is I can't talk about this shit to any and anybody. <laughs> you get it. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. 
Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's be honest. I remember when hip-hop and R&B were completely two different things. Yeah. Like, if you went to New York, and you wanted to go to a hip-hop club, you'd be searched, your boots would be searched, your socks would come off. There'd be, I'm, I'm being serious, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally down to yeah. your underpants, they'll search you before you go into the tunnel. Yeah. And ha- what vibe have you got when you walk through after that search? <laughs> yeah. I was shitting myself, right? <laughs> and then you say to someone, you say, and someone go, what are you going tunnel for, man? Come yeah. to Bentley's yeah. with me. Now, Bentley's was your swing beat R&B club. And I think... Americans viewed R&B as kind of middle class. If you go in the musical tiers, middle class to hip hop's gutter. Mm. And you dress up for an R&B club, you dress down for a hip hop club. The two were never to intertwine until Mm. I think Method and Mary did Mm. the classic. You know what I mean? They're classic that kind of changed things. And Puffy, Puffy changed it forever, didn't he? Just every hip hop tune had to have an R&B hook. Every R&B tune had to have a little rap in the middle and that yeah. was it. Mm. Well, I, re- I remember like, because, you know, I was, all of my mates were into, were into hip hop and R&B. I was probably the one that was into hip hop the most. And I remember like, when they would play that 112 that you talked about, when Biggie's verse came in, I would cling on to that verse yeah. so hard. <laughs> do you know what I yeah. mean? Just like, <laughs> you were like, Can you recite it, Romesh? Can you recite Jesus, it? Jesus, the notorious. Just, the notorious, just. just please us <laughs> with you, miracle pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, everyone is going the more I smoke the smaller the Philly yeah, oh gets. my god <laughs> room 112 where the players dwell <laughs> Jesus the notorious just please us with your lyrical thesis we just chilling milk em, top billing silking pure linen me and little seeds Malibu sea breeze dawn peas palm trees cats named Pablo and milked out Diablo the williest this should be the silliest the more I smoke the smaller the Philly gets room 112 where the players dwell and stash more cash than Burp Adele inhale make you feel, feel good, good like Tony Tony, 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 Tony feels good <laughs> big up in your middle like Moni yeah where yeah. Moni Love got to yeah Biggie recited Moni Love how amazing is that yeah so yeah but wasn't it clever wasn't it clever mm. so if you had a girl who wanted to go to an R&B night you would tolerate it because you know you're going to get a little bit of hip hop yeah totally totally whereas the other way round you'd have to drag your girl kicking and screaming to that 
hip hop night because she knows it's just for the fog life. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it's really interesting. It's yeah. really interesting. And and I rode that. I rode that wave for quite a while. Thank God that happened. Yeah, because I would have been bored just playing R and B songs all my life. You know. Yeah. So you kind of welcome that then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I, I got yeah. it. It, it, it helped on radio, helped on Radio 1. You know, I joined Radio 1 in 96. Yeah. And I remember the first two weeks I was on, I remember exactly what tunes I was playing that I wanted to impress my Radio 1. Right. You know, quote unquote, get these on the playlist. Yeah. Woo-ha Buster Rhymes, which although a hip hop tune, has a real yeah, R&B yeah. yeah, vibe totally. about yeah, funky, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Fuji's yeah. Killing Me Softly and Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. Right. And I was lucky to have them tunes about because they all went on the playlist. Yeah. You know, and they all went massive. You know, two of them went to number one and, and Radio 1 are like, ooh. He knows. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, Weston was playing Wuha as well, so yeah. double double threat there. But they were like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, and it just... From then it was just beautiful, you know. It was just they trusted me, and it was. So it was were you? Great. Were you? Were you nervous getting those put onto the playlist, or did you know what you knew? What... I, I, no, I, I think that you. No, I didn't sit in playlist meetings, but I did obviously push yeah. for them mm. to get plugged. I didn't sit on the meeting. No, thank you. Not '96. <laughs> no way. Have you heard some of the stuff they play? <laughs> I don't want my name on that. But um, <laughs> it was no. It was like being an. It was like being an interloper, mate. Right. On, that, on the station it was like you know I'm the only black DJ on the station I'm the only you know and that's not I wasn't afraid of that you can't be afraid of that in life you know we had no preferential yeah. <laughs> you know we need our quota it was just like you know this guy is a guy who does R&B well I came from Kiss and I was there on merit and that's really important to me you know what I mean mm. it was a great time for house yeah. for hip hop for drum and bass for all genres it was fantastic mate yeah it will never happen again i just don't think specialists are as relevant and not because they're not good djs i just think streaming has killed everything everything mate in terms of you know being a dj it's taking your power away it's like kryptonite you really feel like it's that is that bit is that yeah. deep yeah i really do i if you I think it is major league deep. <laughs> Listen, guys, I think it's I think it's so deep. I think that your kids will never experience anything near what you experience. You're talking about uh, me and my crew. I was the only one who... I don't think yeah. these conversations are going to happen in years to come because, you know, when I joined Radio 1, there was no hip-hop packs at festivals. Yeah. Mm. There was no mixing of the genres the way they are now. Reading was a rock festival, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reading... Yeah. Reading was not all these teenagers running up to Reading. You went to Reading, you had to have a proper Iron Maiden tattoo on. You know, it's changed. <laughs> yeah. It's changed. People all dressed so tribally from that. And then in the last five years, it's just like skinny jeans and a hoodie represents every type of music. Mm. You know, I, I just feel, I might sound old, but I just feel that that whole, it will have discussions, but you're not having to go to a club to hear your favourite tunes. Yeah. You're not having mm. to, to make that effort. You're not having to save money to buy a record. You're not having to tune into a radio show because it's the only way you're going to hear that tune you heard last week. Mm -hmm. The moment you hear a tune on radio, you go streaming it straight away, straight away. Yeah. Take the power away from that guy or girl who played it and you're off on your own. Do you know what? I've never heard anyone say that before, but that feeling of I remember like going to rap gigs and they'd always have a DJ on beforehand, and you'd hear tunes you'd never heard before, right? Mm. And you'd just go, 
what the fuck is that tune? And then you'd have to go to a record shop and you'd have to try and from memory recreate whatever 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 (laughs) snippet of a bar you remember. And then if you found it, it felt like you'd won the lottery, right? If you found that record, oh my God. And were you too scared to ask the DJ what the tune was as well? Exactly. You'd just be like, I'm not asking him. I'm just going to have to do it. I would just go to a record shop. I think it's like a Lords of the Underground (laughs) tune. They're just going, have you got the one that goes, Dan, Dan, Dan. (laughs) Like all their tunes. Do you know what? I, when I first went de- uh, clubbing, I went to Electric Ballroom in Camden and um, Paul Anderson was just God to me. He was a yeah. DJ, played electro funk and boogie. I was like the fourth person in the club. I was the saddest guy on the planet. I was in the queue before the doors opened to a club at nine o'clock. I got in there, right? Me and my mate would be sitting there with our can of tango. And <laughs> Paul would come on and he'd go, first one, down. And he'd play an electro tune like, I don't know, Salsa, Smurf, E.T., Boogie or something. And he played something I didn't know. And he's up on a stage. And I look at my mate and he'd look at me. And it's like, you know, like you're going over the top in the First World War or something. <laughs> to go and ask Paul what that tune is, you have to go up <laughs> on the stage, oh. go past the security. <laughs> Go up to him and, and I hope he's in a good mood yeah, right. and he'll tell you. And, you know, I did it only on a couple of occasions. He won't even, well, he's, he's no longer with us, but he, won't, he wouldn't remember it anyway. And I got up there and I was so, my heart's pounding. Oh. And you lean over and you go, do you know that tune you played four tracks before, the one after Salsa Smurf, the one? And he said, what? What? Because he's got the monitors blasted. Do you know that tune? What? And, yeah, that, and the fact he'd tell me yeah. and i come, He's made my whole year. Yeah, that's your I'll story. I come down. Yeah. I tell my mates so we don't forget it. Yeah. Monday morning, I'm down the record shop. It costs six ninety nine or something ridiculous, which was like Japanese import price. Yeah. And I think, well, I'll come back for it. Can you put it down? I put installments on it. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but it's gone, and that's what I mean, Rom. It's gone. Yeah. That's gone. It's gone forever, mate. Is there any part of you that thinks like? I mean, do you th- are you thinking that that is just it's just a hundred percent a shame in in terms of people consuming music like that, or because you know there's advantages to it. There, if you if you say to yeah. me now, you got to check out blah blah blah's album, I can listen to that the minute we finish the conversation, right? So mm. there, there's that, and there's also like, I listen, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but like Spotify, for example, if you put a playlist together on Spotify it will immediately start suggesting to you more songs that are like that song, right? Mm, and so, it? Yeah. It, I mean, that is amazing. It is amazing. But the, but yeah. the other, but you can't help thinking about the other side of that, which is, it's so good at drilling down into what you like. What's less likely to happen is that you stumble upon something that you wouldn't, you wouldn't otherwise hear. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? I knew this would end up deep and not funny. I knew. <laughs> I, knew. I, I came okay, here as the final, as the final guest. I came here to give credibility and depth yes, to your finally. podcast, right? Because this is exactly what I imagined it would be when I heard the title. This is what I'm here for, bro. Right? So I, <laughs> I think on two parts, you're absolutely right, yeah. both of you. Um, the first part is I said. I didn't say it's a bad thing. I said the specialist DJ is in danger, basically, yes. of becoming extinct yeah. and they're relevant. But for the punter, it is incredible. You don't have to spend your life earnings on this nonsense behind me, right? 
that cost me my life, right? Yeah. I can tell you every shop, everywhere I've walked from for every single bit of mm. vinyl up there, right? When I went without food, rent, when I cut my Bartley card in half, all that stuff, right? That doesn't have to happen. And you broaden your knowledge mm. yeah. by Spotify or the or iTunes or whatever, leaning you somewhere else. You might like this. Mm. You might like that. Yeah. Hey, if you like, and it never stops. You keep going and then there's someone else you're going to like and you will never, you die and you'll never hear what's available <laughs> on Spotify that mm. you might like. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. does that leave the DJ? Mm. Yeah. You answered your own question. Where does that leave the tastemaker? Yeah. The tastemaker is on the verge. I knew it was changing when people came up to me and used to, when they stopped asking me, what's that? And they started coming into a club and going, you, you better got? play. No, they'd say, first of all, they go, Mate, rate you wicked. Yeah. Oh Lord, it's you. Oh, autograph, picture, rah rah rah, and then they switch. You better play DMX, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, man, I paid my money to get in, bro. You better play DMX, the latest one. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, well, I'll play what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm the DJ. And they're like, no, no, no. And they'd come up to you expecting you to play Rihanna, this, that, and the other, and they'd have a list in their head that you have to play. Mm. And I knew then. Ooh, things are changing here. So what for you are the, are the pinnacle hip-hop albums or the, the, the pinnacle artists for you, would you say? Okay. You've had it a million times. Um, if, a, if an alien landed on, from Mars to Earth and said, what is rap? Yeah. I'd give him Nas' his Illmatic. Right, right, right. And I'd give him Nas' his Illmatic because it's not got many collaborations, it's got no gimmicks. It's, it's, it's like a Miles Davis album, you just put it on and it's poetry from start mm. to finish. Mm. It's consistent, it's consistent. It's not like, you know, it's not no part, big party tunes, it's just pure. And unfortunately for Nas, he peaked. <laughs> he peaked too soon on that album. Before I run, I take out my front, then I start the front. Matter of fact, I'll be on a manhunt. You couldn't catch me in the streets without a ton of reefer. That's like Malcolm X catching a jungle fever. King poetic, too much flavor. I'm major. Atlanta ain't braver. I pull a number like a pager. Cause I'm an ace when I face the base. 40 side is the place that is giving me grace. Now wait, another dose say you might be dead. And I'm a Nike head. I wear chains that excite the feds. Ain't ain't a damn thing gonna change. Im a performer, strange show the mic. So we've had in the past we've had an arg we've had arguments on this podcast about mm. and, and there's one tune that sort of summarizes my sort of difficulties with Nas because I love Nas obviously how mm. can you not and be a hip hop mm. fan but like the, the song that kind of encapsulates the, the struggle with Nas is "You Owe Me." With genuine mm, now now mm, now, mm. now I'll I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like but like the idea that Nas would make that tune like like, yeah. like it, it feels and there's there's friends of mine that go you're reacting to you're taking this too personally you're reacting you're being too restrictive do you know what I mean it's like you know but for me I sort of like one of the things that frustrates me about Nas to be honest with you is I just feel like if his beat selection was better if his if his song sort of crafting was a bit I, I don't know it just feels like he could have been so much and listen Nas is a legend I'm not t I don't want to take anything away from that right but it feels like I don't know man I, I, his I management it, skills his yeah, management skills that is it I'll that tell you, is you, you've it. nailed it listen I'll tell you the difference between Nas and Jay-Z yeah Jay-Z's first album Nas's first album you know take your pick right yeah. 
I like Nasis more than Jay-Z. If you ask me who had the swag and the flavour, you could hear it more than Jay-Z, right? Who was a bit more street smart? You could hear it more than Jay-Z. Yeah. Who was hanging with the homies? Jay-Z. Yeah. Who was bound to start rock aware one day? Jay-Z. Yeah. Who was obsessed with money more? Jay-Z. <laughs> Power Jay-Z. Nas <laughs> was just happy getting blunted mm, yeah. and, and making an album. He's a purist. Jay-Z, over the years, talking to both of them over the years, Nas would turn up to an interview completely stoned. Right. I mean, like, incoherent. Like you'd yeah. say to yourself, how did this guy, how does this guy write Mate. unbelievable <laughs> yeah. bars like this? And he, I've asked him a question, he's going, what is that? You know, and you're like, <laughs> what? Whereas Jay-Z, always on. Yeah. Always on. And you've seen docs now where you see Jay-Z picking beats, not that one, not that one. Yeah. Can't, do, can't do nothing with that one. You know, can't do nothing with that one. Nah, not that one. Timbo, not that one. Pharrell, not that one. He's throwing away beats that Nas would have just said, yeah, I'll do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's the difference, I think. And he had a better crew, motivated crew around him, Jay Z, than Nas. Nas was the king of his little crew, and he just—he's he's just a relaxed guy. He needed a good A and R guy, strong A and R guy, good management, and I don't think he really had either. Yeah. I've got the feeling he was just, you know, first album was too good, and after that, rested on his laurels a bit, like yeah, yeah, hey, whatever, whatever, and didn't have a go-to guy. You know, like, Guru had. Primo, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. Guru was pretty monotone, and he lasted a few albums. They lasted a few because he had Primo, you know. Yeah. Everybody's Batman's got to have Robin, you know. Yeah. Jay Z had Damon Dash, yeah, all this, yeah, you know, to motivate him all the time, mm. you know. And I just think Nas was, he felt alone. It was, it was so weird to see from Illmatic, you know, where you got the production that you had on Illmatic, right, and then for him to go to Trackmasters and have that mm. kind of production on, it was written. It just felt so, I remember like- Weird. For, yeah, mate, I was just like, I don't understand the logic behind this decision at all. The only thing you can think of is, well, I imagine this is what happened, is the record label thought, this guy's come out with a classic album. We need to find a way of making this, pushing this on to the- Money, you know, make the, some more money. Bigger, yeah, and so then that happened. I remember when I first heard, I mean, if I ruled the world, don't get me wrong, mm. I love that song now, but I remember, when it first came out, not an tune, being devastated. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Fuck. You know what I mean? Do you, you remember owe, that? You owe me. You owe me. No, I shouldn't even be on that tune. You owe me. Right? It shouldn't be on. Should you know, the truth is, though, I think yeah. when we break it down, you know whose fault all of this is? Puffy. Yeah. Yeah. Puffy, you know, Jay-Z admitted, and I had the balls to, uh, to say to Jay-Z, you made one pants album, bro. You know, I literally said, what's that sunshine shit? You know, and he <laughs> said, I said, I said, do you remember? Yeah. Right? I, he said, he said, yeah, I got the shiny suit on and all that. I got caught up in it. Yeah, you know, because so mad, isn't it? There you go. Everybody at some point, bad boy changed everything. And, you know, no matter what anyone says, people say, who's the most influential person in hip hop? And people come up with Jay-Z, you know, or so they don't want to give it to Diddy. They mm. don't want to give it to him because he's not pure. He's not a rapper. Yeah. He's a marketing guy. He's a producer who did he really produce a lot, you know, all this stuff. But he did affect all of them. Mm. Yeah. Jay changed on that album, made a real pants album, trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. <laughs> Nas was affected. Everyone was. Yeah. Everyone was affected by the bad boy effect because every album that dude put out, be it, Total, who couldn't really sing, yeah, platinum, yeah. Mace, platinum, Craig Mack, platinum, 
two tracks on that album or something. Yeah. You know, everyone yeah. went platinum. Bad boy. You're like, yeah. Jay Z's sitting over there going, I'm the only artist who goes platinum on my label. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, you can talk about Rockefeller all day. Yeah. But how many artists went platinum on Rockefeller? Yeah, I know. Did he mess them up? Yeah. He messed their heads up. Yeah. When did that? Fa- when do you think that faded away? That trend. When was the sort of death of like the final nail in the coffin? Um, it didn't go into the noughties, That's for yeah. sure. I don't think. Not really into the noughties. I think it was all really nineties. And yeah. I think, I think Biggie died. Um, Diddy did one more album. Um, by that time, Mace was gone. Mm. I think when Bad Boy started slipping. Yeah. I mm. think it all. I think. I think that that was that's the sad thing. They, you needed to see the demise of Bad Boy to see the rebirth of hip hop. Yeah. Which, yeah. in a sense, you know. And then Kanye came and took the reins, didn't he? In a completely different way. Yeah. And in, in a way, he was the savior of mainstream hip hop for a while, wasn't he? Are you in the Kanye's a genius camp, or Kanye used to be? Or I, I miss the old Kanye camp where you. Where are you sitting? He's a genius. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a genius. Come on, man. I, and the reason I'm not, I can say it, I'm not as hip hop as you, believe it or not. So I'm a radio broadcaster. <laughs> That's one for the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, 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 did he wake up then? He did. <laughs> I've never seen him. So did he wake happy. up? Because I said, I'm not oh, as hip hop as I you. Actually, yeah. I just, I was like, holy shit. No, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. And deep down, deep, deep down inside, I'm going to be honest. When, um, I was a collector. My music collection was much purer than when I became a well-known DJ. Right, right, started right, having yeah. to play stuff on radio and, yeah. and stuff in clubs. So my first thought is, does this work on radio? Is this going to drop in clubs? Rather than sitting there listening to the lyrics going, whoa, that was deep. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, 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 sure. That doesn't, that doesn't affect my, my mortgage repayment, right? So yeah. <laughs> I, I just figure Kanye, or Kanye, whatever you want to call him, I think... It's hard to accept if you're a true hardcore hip hop fan that he's a genius. It's hard to accept it because he was a beat maker first. And I think his work on the blueprint put him up there in complete stratosphere because Jay-Z made all these albums and it, and it took to the blueprint for a lot of people for his greatest work. Yeah. And he couldn't have done it without Kanye. Oh. Could not have done it without those beats, right? And then when he started rapping himself, and to think under the nostrils, and they're pretty severe nostrils, of Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, you ain't going to see me again for a while. And, um, <laughs> and Dame Dash, and Dame Dash, who believes that he is the, the kingmaker yeah. of all time, Dame Dash. They both ignored him. Yeah. And he was in their ear every single mm. day. Yeah. And they both didn't want to release this stuff. So... That's why I think he's he was that good. And I think he came at a time when hip-hop was lost. Yeah. I mean, where were we? What was going on? I know. I, I've had, as a lot of people have, had like a turbulent relationship with the work of Kanye. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you know, with his music and also the things that he said publicly and all of that. But like, mm-hmm. when you think about some of the decisions he's made, whether you like them or not, the balls on this geezer yeah, is, it, are incredible. Like, you know, for him to yeah. do... College dropout, then late registration, then just make a fucking album of auto tune songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know mm-hmm. what what the record label would have thought when he goes, "Oh, just so you know, the next album <laughs> is just me singing love songs with a load of auto tune on." Genius. You'll never be able to predict what he's going to do, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's never like that's... quiet in the room. He's never no. quiet in yeah. the room. He's a genius. Listen, yeah. let me tell you why I think he's a genius. One record. Yeah. Jesus walks, right? Right. No one in the history of hip hop 
made a song about Christ mm. that sold. Yeah, right? so true. <laughs> no one, and you know, like you could have lyrics about Christ in a song, you can sneak them in there, but you don't call the title Jesus Walks, right? <laughs> a trunk full of coke, rental car from Avis. My mama used to say only Jesus could save us. Well, mama, I know I act a fool, but I'll be gone to November. I got packs to move. I hope. Jesus. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now. Who else would do that? Yeah. Who else would do that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I, I was of the thing where thinking, I don't know if I like him. You know, I, I was just sort of falling out of love with him. But now, as I look back on what he's done so far, I don't, you know, the level of excitement when you hear he's got a new thing coming out, it's just... Uh, mm. It's testament to, yeah. to him as an artist, really. I mean, a lot of it is, I think, rubbish, some of it, you know, yeah. definitely. But <laughs> when you when you talk about who on the level was testing Kanye, all I got was J. Cole yeah. before Kendrick. And, I, and I'm not talking about underground rappers. I'm not talking about those without a big label deal. I'm yeah. talking about people who get people into hip hop. You've yes. got to be signed. You've mm. got to be big. Let's not be, you know, real heads are going to be li listening to this podcast. Going, what about, what about Knife White? What about, you know, no, I'm talking <laughs> about people who are global, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. where hip hop was. And all of a sudden we went from five massive labels, a hundred artists to the focus being on about three or four people. Yeah, yeah. And he was so dominant, you know, Eminem had done his bit, hadn't he? Mm. Mm. With that in mind, how do you feel about where, I know this, is, this isn't as big a question as it sort of sounds, but in terms of like mm. where hip hop is now, because the, the, the distinction you make is really interesting, right? Because I, I think if you're a hip hop head right now, there is so much mm. amazing hip hop being made, right? There's, there's great stuff. Even if you're a purist, you like your beats and rhymes and all that, like, you know, there's loads of good shit, but yeah. In terms of hip hop's public perception to people outside of hip hop, right? Like you said, you got J Cole, you got Kendrick, you got Kanye, you got a couple of a couple of others. But for the most part, you've got your Littles, you've got the uh, Baby, you've got all of those people. Mm. You've got all of that kind of. That is what people sort of see hip hop being now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like like yeah. outside yeah. of it. What do you? What's your sort of take on that? How do you? All how right. do you well, see I, I I just said I was into electro back in yeah. the early eighties which was terrible, yeah. but I loved it. So I'm not going to diss hip hop yes. the way all my friends diss it. They absolutely hate it, rip right. it, mumble <laughs> rap, trap, yeah. trap, crap, rap, trap, yeah. you know, crap. We're just old, right? We're just old. It's a different art not form. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and knock it. As a man of my age, I shouldn't even be listening to it. Mm. So I don't. <laughs> um, I, I don't listen to it. And um, because it is aimed squarely at young, young, young people. I think the best yeah. hip hop is probably very underground, obscure. When I hear something that I like, it's, it's always, it's always, you know, backpack rap. That's, yeah. It's yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of vibe. I love it. I, I will never not like it. I will never yeah. not like, you know, Mac Miller and Anderson packed together or, or something like that. I love yeah. the, the organic feel of music. I love that vibe. I love it moving. I love the music moving. I love some movement. I don't yeah. want, that confinement that modern day hip hop seems to do. I mean, but I'm not going to knock it. I can't, yeah. I can't, I'm not bailing out on your question, but I just no, don't want to be no, my but dad. Mate, but, no, but your position is, exact, yeah. to be honest with you, your position I don't want to be your dad. I don't yeah. want to be my dad. I don't yeah, want to yeah. be my dad. What is that rubbish? Yeah. It ain't that King Cole, you know? <laughs> yeah. What is yeah. that yeah. noise? Yeah. So I'm turn that down. 
you know, don't use my stereo to play that on. Yeah. You know, that kind of attitude because it would be wrong. But I have to say, as an art form at the highest level, I'm disappointed. But I also mm. feel that where could it go? Where, where could it go? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had the James Brown samples early on and they were so exciting because yeah. we went and discovered what the originals were. Then we had the bad boy era of fusing hip hop and R&B together. And when we had that beautiful moment with Snoop and Dre and N.W.A. Yeah. and yeah. Easy E. And that was great. West Coast was great. Then we had Nelly coming out the middle of mid Midwest or something. And we had all these different accents happening and everyone had their moment. And then we settle on auto-tune years <laughs> later. Right? Yeah. yeah. We get to auto-tune. So we've gone from the most organic to the most oh yeah. apple it's like apple it's yeah. like um, it's so convenient it's so, i can make a beat on this probably yeah, and you yeah. can wrap it before the end of this podcast and this is where we're at yeah it feels like a hustle to me rather than an art form yeah. more than ever it's a bit like there's a lot of grime is like that right now to be honest there's a lot of there's a lot of artists in grime that i think are hustling rather than being artists yeah there's artistry in there but there's some who just like i'm getting away with this <laughs> yeah 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 and, and and what do you have you have you listened to Jay, like what do you think of the people like kendrick and have you listened to the j cole album for Ken, Ken, not the recent one though right. kendrick is the best the best of all of them i listened to j cole's early stuff mm. and i liked it i thought he was slightly conflicted between whether he sh he was on the verge of being really commercial wasn't he and he yeah. always fought that a little bit i yeah. felt he was fighting it a little bit um whereas kendrick is just a different different level. Yeah. He um, unfortunately in hip hop terms, when every, anyone's dominating, a lot of guys like to say, "Nah, he's not my guy. I don't think I he's know, that I know. good." Yeah. And, and it's they're not listening. You know, I used to think this about Eminem, and I'd love to know your take on Eminem, for example. I'd love to know is he in the top ten of all time rappers? <laughs> I've got to throw that one at you. You need I to mean, listen look, to some old episodes. You know, but listen, yeah. I, I really want to know. I really want to know. I have been heartbroken by some of the albums he's put out. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like some of mm. the stuff he's put out, I've been upset by. But mm. in terms of an out and out lyricist and, you know, some of the music that that guy has done, I think you, you have to put him in the top 10. I, I feel like, do you know what I mean? I think like when he wants to, he can be incredible. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 and I still, I still think to this day, he has got that in his locker. I think he's got all sorts of other variables playing on his mind. He's got all sorts of other pulls on his mental state and what, you know, his battles with what's expected of him versus what he wants to do and all of that. But I, I, I do think I've heard the arguments about true hip hop fans don't have him in the, uh, on in the car. I've heard all of that. Do you know what I mean? And he's not really, but I just don't buy. I just think he's one of the. I think he's one of the best, man. I really do. Um, he is. He's in the top ten. Yeah. He's in the top Ooh. ten. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Just Marshall Mathers. He's in the top ten. <laughs> <He's> in, <laughs> you know, because you know that whole thing for me is. I think when you're talking about all-time greats, and I and I, you know you talk, I can only equate it to soul. If you look at the all-time great soul singers, they they roll off the tongue. Marvin Gaye, Otis yeah. Redding, Luther Vandross. You know, Sam Cooke, you, you know, Stevie Wonder, you, you, you know, and not one where you go, no, yeah. don't agree, Trev, don't yeah. agree. You're just going to go, yeah, 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 yeah I can't knock mm. that, yeah. And I could say Donny Hathaway, well, I haven't heard his stuff, but I've heard he's good. Or, you know, with hip hop, it's completely, apart from five, it's <laughs> always, 
know. It's always fisticuffs, yeah. right? It's yeah. always yeah. fist. No, it comes down to blows, literally, mate. Yeah. And taking race out of it, Eminem is clearly a top 10 all time, easily. Yeah. yeah. It's not even debatable. I don't know what the argument is. Yeah. You yeah. can't go on the shit he's put out. You just go on what he's good at, yeah. what he's done that's good. I mean, mate, when, he's, when he wants to, he, he, he can beat almost anybody. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, but they all—they've all made some crap as well, haven't they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. He made more crap than them. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, Trevor, we're all, we're almost out of time, man. Um, you have been best guest, a mate. What a guest, Rupert? Huh? Worth waiting for. Part one. I think it, it is. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing, I mean, you st- I'll be honest with you, you came in fucking like really yeah. hard at the top. <laughs> I came in hard. I came, no, yeah. I wanted the beef. I, I ain't yeah. going to lie to you, man. <laughs> How you I feeling felt now? disrespected. How are you feeling now? I, felt dis- I feel a lot warmer. I feel cuddly. Yeah. I feel that we could share some stories, more R&B-ish next time, maybe. Well, we'll how about this? Time. How about this, Trevor? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm announcing it now, okay? Because this is how well I think this has gone. Mm. I would like, we would like to ask you, cordially invite you to be the first episode of the next series as well. Wow, that. Rum, Rum, I would, I would smile at that suggestion, but the only problem is if you get really poor ratings for this one, I know what's going to happen. Our man, Art, is going to call me. He's going to say, oh, um, George Clooney has decided to do Rummish in his first episode, Trev, you can't, you know, <laughs> can we can we have you on standby if he can't get a green card? Yeah. I'm this there, is Trevor. No, I'm there because, yes. I'm no. there, I'm there, because we, we haven't finished, really. No, and I, I don't and think we finished. I don't think finished. I'm not a podcast man, but um, I do have a podcast myself. <laughs> I like that. You're not a podcast yeah, man. What, go, what is I it? think I should, <laughs> well... I'm just going to be honest, mate. And, you know, don't let me start beefing with you. <laughs> I'm just trying right. to warm you up for just... the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. This is interesting, though. You'd want to hear it, I think. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Both of you want to hear it. It's called um, it's called My Divas. It's called Trevor Nelson's Divas. And it, it basically, the BBC really wanted me to do a podcast. Series, and I said, no. Yeah. No one wants to hear me on a podcast after I do five radio shows a week. So they came up with this thing whereby they unearthed archive interviews that I've done with artists. Mm. And they've chosen eight that I've decided to call Divas Male and Female. And that's James Brown, Usher, Diddy, Mary J, I'm gonna try and remember all of them, Lauren Hill, Mariah Carey, oh God, and one other. I can't remember the other one. That is a a hell of a list of names. It is, and it, Kanye, Kanye. Holy shit! Kanye, Kanye, okay. yes. Yeah. So these are interviews I've done. These are people I've interviewed more than one occasion many years ago. In their, so it's Kanye's first three albums, first mm-hmm. two, three albums. It's Mariah Honey, you know, right, right. that Butterfly album yeah. around that time. It's Lauryn Hill for the album, you know, and it's James Brown when he did a gig for me, believe it or not, and I asked him about hip hop wow. and them not paying him. The samples oh, and things right. like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's interesting. I think you and Beyonce, sorry, you'd be yeah. interested in in, in listening to, to know to the story. So it's just me recounting what I felt like yeah. when I was about to talk to these people at the time, and when I did speak to them, how I viewed them, how I saw it, and then listening back, it's just so bizarre hearing Beyonce talking. You know, she doesn't do interviews anymore, but yeah. hearing her being excited about what she's about to do and music and this sort of thing and hearing an insecure and secure Kanye. Yeah. And um, 
Usher always been absolutely sure of himself, mm. unbelievably sure of himself. Yeah. The most cocksure person I've ever met. I don't know why the access I had to these artists gave me, you know what I mean? Gave yeah. me an insight, gave me, mm. gave me little moments like that that no one else would have because I was the English guy that they, they liked to come and see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was nice to be the guy when they landed, am I going to do an interview with Trevor? Yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. And they put me on this pedestal that I wasn't on. Because my equivalent in America would be someone huge. Yeah. I mean, proper huge, you know, living like them, you know. But I just, I suppose I blanked it. And, and it was it was good fun. So Trevor Nelson's Divas, check it out. It's that amazing. sounds amazing, yeah. man. Uh, listen, Trevor, we will uh, we will speak to you. You're going to be doing the next episode. So yeah, we'll, we'll see you. Well, hey, uh, Maybe in the flesh. Ruth, in the flesh. You, you might become redundant, bro. Yeah, I don't yeah. want you to I'm become happy. redundant. Yeah, yeah. You know, Go you might it. just... I reckon Ron might call me up behind the scenes and go, yo, you know what, mate? You and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> feels good. It feels good, Trevor. Feels Maybe. good. The next episode, hip-hop and R&B saved my life for one episode only. There you go. Okay, yeah. All right, you heard it here first. I'm in. Uh, Trevor, you've been Brilliant. an absolute ledge. Thank you so much. I loved much. it, mate. Loved it. Thank you for having me on, Thanks, guys. Man. I mean that. Cheers, mate. And keep doing what you're doing, mate. Very proud of what you're doing, man. You too, brother. Killing it. Take care. Killing it. Killing it.